You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. On Sunday, we began studying chapter 5 in our continuation of the series through the book of Romans. Specifically, Pastor Josh walked us through verses 1 through 11 this week. In our conversation today, we're talking about what it means that Christ died for the ungodly. And we're asking the question, to whom does that refer? Also, what does Paul mean when he refers to suffering in this passage? And why should we rejoice in it? Thanks for listening in. This is After the Message. podcast this week guys good morning hey mike hey mike it's good to see you all it's great to be seen today mm. it is good to be seen today in the room today we've got uh slim sean crowd. i know but sean thanks for calling me slim nobody ever does that <laughs> sean josh did Mark, you miss the word crowd <laughs> i thought it was a descriptor of the crowd like we were all slim <laughs> uh well everybody but me thanks for pointing out appreciate you <sighs> Drink my coffee. Um, wow. What a way to start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so everybody doing okay today? Yeah, we're good, doing great. man. Yeah. We're, we're missing one of our compadres today. Well, I guess two of our compadres, but one really important, celebrity. Yeah. Celebrity, mm, yeah. Celeb. Yeah. That's a reference to Preston Crow. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Not Neil, for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so tell us Neil, tell but... us what happened to Preston this week. So yeah, Preston got honored by the Mississippi Christian Living magazine as one of their top five Christian leaders of the year, mm. uh, and so he graced their front cover. Mm. Um, and so he it. looks fantastic in his. I haven't seen it yet. In his stance, he looks authoritative. Wow! Very proud. Of Sean's him. holding it up for us. Yeah, oh, there you go. go. Yeah. yeah, there's the picture. Oh. And Preston's tall, and there's a guy. I that think dude's really tall. He's like three or four or five mm-hmm. inches taller than Preston, which is tall, tall. Mm. Anyway, get your copy today. Apparently, height is a uh, qualification for yeah. being a. I'm well, if you Christian go leader. back and Guess read out. Blink, <clears throat> yes, there's a study on uh-huh. that. Malcolm Gladwell's Blink. I read that. Yes. It's unbelievable. Um, like they talk about CEOs uh, mm-hmm. around the world, uh, and generally CEOs are like six three and above, hmm. because there's something to do with tall authority and leadership really? even if they don't Man. deserve it if you're interviewing a, a six three and above guy and anybody below that that generally the nod is going to be given to the well that person. doesn't bode well for those of us who stand under six feet <laughs> well i kind of take offense to that if i had my football cleats on i was six foot but i ain't worn cleats in a while my friend <laughs> there's that well all right read your book so, oh man um, Thanks, Malcolm. He's just reporting the the study. I didn't. I didn't write it, guys. Yeah. I wish. So, Mark, you're probably the only person in the room well, here at least who is over six foot. Clearly, that has not translated <laughs> to my life. <laughs> are you six four? How tall are you? Three. Six, six three. three. Six yeah. three. Well, wow. but right you wear there. big boots. Hey, so you could like be you could be a CEO, man. At six, at six three? Six three. I think I'd need to wear the boots to get the extra inch if I really want to be a CEO. I love it. Hey, just quick fun question: If you were going to be CEO of any company, what would it be? One, oh. two, three. Oh, I hate being a CEO. I'm not that guy. But what company oh. do you love? I guess is the question. <laughs> Sorry, the question went wrong. Yeah, if I had the goods, I guess it'd be um, Bass Pro. Bass Pro. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh wow, oh. be super fun. Wow, Bass Pro. Cabellas. Mike does not like your answer. 
Well, no, I mean, look, he also can, didn't like country music, so I can appreciate what? a stroll hey, around Bass two. Pro Shops. I wouldn't want to lead the company, but you know, I can. I wonder <laughs> if you can fish in that big tank if you're a CEO. I'm sure mm. you could, right? Like, um, do you get like a gold card? Like, you can go to any any Bass Pro and be like, "Hey, I'm the CEO. I'm gonna fish that tank. Fish in the tank. <laughs> See if I can catch me a big one." <laughs> yeah, somehow I don't think that works that way. Might be fun, but uh, yeah. So um, yesterday was a really good day. Mike didn't answer the question. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are we uh, your company? Are we all supposed to answer? No, just you. Um, <laughs> uh, how about Apple? Well, oh, I, see, I was thinking Apple. Yeah, just because you'd be filthy rich. Oh, not that that matters. That? Well, no, but I but I have a real appreciation for Apple products. So <laughs> 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 you know, at least it's something I can buy into. You know, right. there you go. Um, I like it. Yeah. I well, now personalities. Now, Sean, you have to answer. Oh, Star Wars. No. Star Wars uh, franchise. Good. That wouldn't gracious. be bad. That wouldn't be bad. I I don't know. I think they get old though. No. Okay. I think I think I'd lean more outdoorsy, like. Maybe um, it would be fun to be a CEO of a, like a rifle company. Oh, that would like, be good. Uh, Bagara or something like that. I yeah. don't even know what you said, but that sounds <laughs> awesome, Bagara. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. just know Benelli. That's a shotgun company. Said, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they Say. just came out with a rifle this year. Anyway, we digress. Way, go. way <laughs> digress. That, that was fun. not uh, just for those who were listening. That that tangent was not planned. That was not yeah, on the bingo card. <laughs> of course, very little of what we do is actually planned, so... <laughs> Um, True. So yesterday, good day. Uh, it was, uh, I was, I got to say, leading up to Sunday, I was a little nervous because I wasn't sure what my voice was going to do. Mm. Um, so it's still not 100% today, but. Um, Your voice was butter as always. No, yeah. it was not. But, <laughs> but you know, I was reminded that despite my lack of a voice, like it was a really sweet time of worship. Like I'm not really needed in that equation. So. Um, uh, yeah. That's a great sign of, I think, a, a great leader anyway, but particularly a worship leader. Man. You um, always lead well, but yesterday was really special. Mm, it, was really it, was, it was a good day. Uh, I'd, I'd love just, uh, again, out of necessity, I didn't sing a lot. and, um, and uh, But hearing the room sing mm. uh, as strongly as they did was, mm -hmm. was so sweet. What a good crowd yesterday. Yeah. The room felt good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pretty crowded in there. People were energetic. Just good day. Yeah. Was and sermon was spectacular. The sermon, Come on. yeah. How about that? Transition, Josh. Would you like for me to host because I feel it more? Yeah. <laughs> Mark's yeah. on edge today. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not sure this is your day, Mark. Yeah, it's probably not my day. <laughs> yeah, will um, be coming in here this morning. Yeah, so started into uh, chapter five, Josh. Mm -hmm. How was uh, how was that one for you? It's great, man. You know, anytime you get into the this section of of Romans, man, it's it is really sweet. It is because it's all good news. Um, it's uh, and what what's great. Again, we as pastors, we never want to come up with something new. That that's never our goal. Our goal is to be a, a chief reminder of, of mm -hmm. what the scripture says. But a lot of times, for whatever reason, could be multiple, could be many. Um, we we in Romans particularly read uh, specific verses out of mm -hmm. Romans, but not necessarily the whole context. And you know, for for whatever the reason is, a lot of people will um, gloss over chapters four and five. Because you you like Romans three and six, um, and you got four and five, which are so deep doctrinal, doctrinally and theologically, uh, and so in five specifically, there is so much good news, mm -hmm. and it tells you why our good news is good news, mm -hmm. and that's fun to share. Yeah, I've always I mean I've always loved this passage because it's such a reminder of how how deep God's love for us is that 
again, you know, it says uh, there in, in verse six and and seven, it's or those those passages uh, following that. Just that you know, while I was an enemy mm-hmm. of God, like I wasn't even looking for it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christ died, um, and uh, so it's it's such in, such encouraging. But I, so you raised a question though that I think is worth uh, worth discussing. I think it's a really nuanced thing. Um, so who knows where this will go? But should be uh, fun. You said uh, <laughs> I think you phrased the question sort of like this. And this so, is pre-podcast, not in the sermon. This that's question. right. That's yes. right. We were yeah. talking about this before we hit record. This was not something that came up in the message yesterday. But um, uh, so verse six says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And Josh, you raised the question, how do we know that this is not some sort of universalist teaching? Mm-hmm. Right? M- meaning, so, and to qualify that word, um, how do we know that when, when this is saying that Christ died for the ungodly, that it's not everybody? Like with, without qualification, uh, and maybe to hear it a different way for us, without the Holy Spirit acknowledging uh, us and our dead state, calling us to life, bringing us to repentance, and causing us to call out to Christ in faith for salvation. Um, so we would believe that that is the the mode that we go from from unsaved to saved. Now, again, all of that work is done by Christ. Um, it is just our calling out for the grace that has been extended to us. It is our our reaching for the the life raft that has been extended to us, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't swim. We didn't, we didn't create the buoy. We didn't do all of those things. But when we read that, there are some people who would argue that when it says he died for the ungodly, that's what it says, and that's what it means, meaning everybody is now justified because of the work of Christ. You don't need to repent. You don't need to confess with your mouth and mm. believe in your heart um, that it's just already done. Uh, and so sometimes as we read through scripture, particularly if it's one verse, how do we, um, how do we know what that one verse is saying? Mm. So I guess that, that's a better question mm-hmm. uh, as yeah. I think through it. What would you say? Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, no, I'm just processing this in my head because, uh, you know, so he died for the ungodly. So, I mean, one could see it. I mean, you could see it as you described, he died for everyone. We need, need not do anything more. Right. So we are, we are justified whether we like it or not, whether we accept it or not, we're justified. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Continue on. (laughs) Yeah. Which is, that's, wow. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, or that he died for those who would receive him. Right. Right. So how do you know the difference? It's a leading yeah. question. Like, yeah. So I just, as we, well, as we listen through it, I'll, I'll, I'll throw out what I think. And then so we, let me ask the question that you're going to answer. Maybe. Yeah, go ahead. Make sure I'm asking it uh-huh. so that we understand. Did he die for the ungodly, meaning we are all ungodly mm-hmm. or did he only die for what some would call the elect or the chosen? Yeah. Yeah. Did he die just for those and those that he died for, it was appropriated and they're saved? Mm-hmm. Or did he die for all mankind? And, and this verse says ungodly, which is everybody. It's a fantastic question. I would answer it in between the two scenarios Ooh. you gave. I would say that he died for everybody. Okay. Because it's God's will that no man should perish, perish. is what the, the scriptures teach us. But... So his blood, and that's what you just said, is available to all, to, to all. everyone, every ungodly person. That's the way that I understand the scripture. Right. Um, yes, but right. but again, so I'll, I'll give you the answer that I believe, and I, I think it's you know 
consistent with historic Christianity. Uh, I believe that Christ died for all. So the blood is available. The the atonement is available um, for all those uh, who he calls will come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that calling, now this is where it gets nuanced, right? Um, does he call everybody mm-hmm. uh, or does he only call a certain few to receive that atonement? Um, but But the blood is applied for all. Um, and, and so personally for me, I believe it's it's both in because the scriptures tell us, right? I believe that God knows mm-hmm. who is going to receive the atonement because God is sovereign completely. Um, right. But I also believe that there is the free will of man to choose uh, in, in will you continue to rebel against God or will you submit your life to him mm-hmm. and trust him for salvation? Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason that I can live in that tension and be completely fine with it is because the Bible lives in that tension and I right. think mm-hmm. is completely fine right. with it um, because right. this goes back to a statement we we make often, uh, one verse can't make a theology. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we look at verse six, or even if you tie in verse eight, because they're similar, similar verse, um, just worded a little bit differently, you can't just take Romans chapter five, verse six and verse eight and say, this is a theology unless it is backed up by the whole of the whole council of scripture. That's good. Yeah. That, that's where I would land for, for anybody yeah. who may be reading this, but but doesn't necessarily put all the pieces together yeah. and say, well, that just means everybody's okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. I would not disagree with that. However, 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 but I think we also have to look at the book itself. Mm-hmm. Like, so Romans, this is a letter to a specific group of people. Yes. And, and what is Paul mm. trying to do here? And, and I think you had, um, so, so he's writing as, as I'm reading this, this is not written to all the world. This is written to a group That's of correct. people who have already placed their faith in Christ. So he's, I could argue that when he says in Christ died for the ungodly, that they understood, he's trying to bring about an understanding that, that they, they were once mm-hmm. ungodly, but now right. they've been redeemed. And, and I think that's important to kind of think about because I think you had a conflict between the Jews mm-hmm. and the Gentiles and your Jews would probably say, yeah, and those those Gentiles are probably still ungodly, mm-hmm. right? And so Paul's trying to paint this picture of, no, you were all ungodly. right? right? Um, and Christ has redeemed you and it is through his work, not, once again, not because of what you've done, right. but mm-hmm. because of who Christ is. And so, so, yes, I agree, but at the same time, Paul could be, pointing to the reason he write that to not them. be to establish a um, an atonement theology but mm-hmm. maybe to actually straighten out the thinking on a specific group of people mm-hmm. I like it so I like it so how do we uh, and I, I agree with that um, but how do we then apply the Roman road that we've all grown right? up with yeah. that is legitimately an atonement theology right applied across all time and space right so can we go ahead, go ahead. I'm, go I'm ahead. fixing Chase something real quick, but go ahead. I, well, I think once again, like, do we, or what do we see across all the scripture? So as we not mm-hmm. just look at Romans, That's right. because I also believe God can use Paul's writings to a specific group of people, um, and he, we know he writes multiple letters. Right. We we see Jesus' teachings inside of the Gospels. So as we take all of that and begin to study it and put it together, there's there's this idea that we we can begin to develop a theology and then see the the, the principle mm-hmm. behind uh, salvation, atonement, those kinds of big, bigger ideas, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I like it. Mark's got a rabbit. Well, just the, the word atonement, mm. right? The atonement theology is something that 
um, is pretty foundational, I sure. think, for for us, particularly in the Baptist realm. It's a. I'm not sure everybody really understands the depth and the fullness of what atonement theology is, but I know there's resistance out there. We kind of joked about universalism, but there's even a step, maybe not quite as extreme, but somewhere in there that says, "Man, when we talk about God's wrath and you talk about us being enemies, it's it's almost like this mean, mm. angry guy sure. that has to be satisfied. Um, his wrath has to be satisfied. And there are those who question what is it about God's character that would make him so angry and full of wrath that we had to be saved from his wrath, Mm -hmm. which really is kind of the crux of atonement theology. So uh, for those who are listening who maybe don't want to have trouble seeing God as that wrathful justice God who has to pour out wrath somewhere and he chose to pour it out on his son rather than us. Yes. Why is there so much of this deserving wrath of God and why is he like that? It's a fantastic question. Sean's going to answer. Yeah, we could we could spend a whole podcast on this. Yes, we could. Um, <laughs> or multiple ones. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that's such a deep thing. I would say it's based out of the fact that at the core, um, God is love. Mm-hmm. And and so rebellion against the God who um, is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, to rebel against that is to rebel against the very love of God. And so mm-hmm. so so to to keep that love pure and holy and right and good, like every everything about that is good. And I think um, rebellion against that, I mean, he's, that would be right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So if, if it's good, then why violate that? Right. Why? And, and, his, and his desire to, to, to have all of his creation really experience that love right. too. Right. Um, and to, to, so, want in that, that. so in that sense, you're, you're saying the wrath is more toward, um, I had something so perfect and beautiful for you. Yeah. And you rejected that. Mm. Is his wrath like I think to, I, I put it in my kids right? Mm-hmm. Um, when my kids disobey, do I feel the, the the need to pour out wrath on them, or is it I love them and I see them rejecting what is true and good, and it causes X blank yeah. in me? Right. I don't know that I would or use it's a the corrective word wrath. Thing. It's it yeah. leads you toward a corrective yeah, yeah. action. That's yeah. right. Well, I think for me, it's 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 hard to we we can't directly um, align anything in our life with the way that God does it, and think mm-hmm. that it's going to be a one to one correlation because He's right. complete, perfect right. in all of His ways. Right. We are yeah terribly off in all of our ways. Right. Um, and you know, I would I, I think we're getting to a point of semantics, but I think the semantics are are really good, right? So. Um, I believe that whenever we were in chapter four uh, and Paul talks about about God being the just and the justifier, mm-hmm. um, that, that 
that God can't be the justifier if he's not just. Mm-hmm. Um, God can't be loving if he's not just, right? Right. Um, but I believe the reason for the wrath is because God is holy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just remember, I have John Butterfield's uh, words in my mm-hmm. mind, um, you know, when he wrote uh, that, that track that we would use in all of our mission mm-hmm. trips, God is holy and we are not. That's how it all starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so so in the holiness of God, there's a rebellion against that that holiness and that weight that all glory goes to him and we want it for ourselves. Right. Um, so a lot of times mm-hmm. our sin, um, and this is where I think wrath would come in, right? It's not necessarily that you messed up. Like that's the line, you stepped over the line, therefore I'm gonna right. come and smush you like an ant. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a deep rebellion against God gets all glory and praise, but then in, in, in turn, mm-hmm. we want glory and praise. Mm-hmm. And so we have... In effect, we are the enemy. Like, right. like we are the right. advancing army trying to take over what he's done. Well, that was a key part of that when we talked about enemy in this passage. That's, right. That's exactly right. That's a piece of the atonement. That's right. Picture. I think. I, I think, think it's pretty yeah. important. So, yeah. if if you're if you're trying to apply how God the Father and the Kingdom of Heaven treats the enemies of Heaven and the enemies of God with how a father relates to his children, I. I, I those probably aren't going to go well together right. because that wrath, I don't think, is 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 due That's to right. that. Um, unless your kids are trying to come and kill you, and then right. there, there's a whole other day. <laughs> there might be uh, wrath for there. that yes. conversation right. of what are you doing uh, as opposed to something else. Maybe a different way to say it is is that so so inside of um, who God is, there is goodness and mm-hmm. justice and love and every, every pure and holy thing, right? And so wrath is God wanting to dispel what has disrupted Yeah, that, that picture so of I, who he is. I, I think right? that's what resonates with, with, with me here in this and, and hopefully for those who are listening. It, it, it's not wrath toward, oh, you messed up. It's wrath toward there's a fight to steal what's due to him. That's, that's right. right. Absolutely. We're, we're stealing the glory that he that's is right. due, right. which – which, if he's passive about that, mm-hmm. we don't we don't really want that kind of God who's passive right. Right. toward the theft of His glory. I mean, right. that's that is what it's all about at the end of the day is Him and His glory. Right. And when there's a fight or a um, a rebellion against that, um, is is that where there's a justified wrath, mm. more so than just oh you messed up, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm gonna mm-hmm. squash you. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's turn the discussion just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> sorry for a moment. No, no, it's good. This is, this is all yeah. good. a fun discussion. Uh, yeah. But but we have a uh, we have another thing that we want to uh, we want to discuss, and I don't want us to run out of time. Uh, so in uh, in the early part of this passage, uh, so we, we were dealing with Romans five one through eleven on Sunday. Uh, so it talks about uh, the idea of suffering. So uh, starting verse two, it says, uh, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So first of all, what are we talking about when we talk about <laughs> suffering here? Great question, Mike. All right, so I'll, I'll jump in and we, we, can, we can nuance this a little bit, okay? Um, Sean's already pointed out to us that this is a specific letter to a specific church for a specific reason. That matters whenever you're, you're studying the Bible and to get proper context of what they're saying, why they're saying it, those things matter, right? So church at Rome, Jew and Gentile believers trying to figure out how to, 
how to how to correct a fractured unity, uh, and Paul is using the gospel to, to bring them together. Uh, and so when we look at suffering in Romans, I, I do think this is going to be a little different than some of the other passages. So like if you were to take James, for example, uh, it is clear that the suffering marked in James is going to be related primarily to um, uh, being dispersed because of the persecution mm-hmm. of following of Christ. Um, now, I would argue it's maybe a little bit different here um, because a lot of times we we would say that um, persecution is the only form of Christian suffering, um, and I believe that's a big form, and we don't we don't want to ever trivialize it. So, for example, right. you wake up, you stub your toe, man, the Lord is causing me to suffer today. Glory to His name. <laughs> it's going to produce um, character. It's going to produce character, <laughs> and you know what? Actually, that may on some level, but I'm just not quite sure this is what we're we're talking about here. Um, but the fact that um, they are talking to Jews and Gentiles, mm-hmm. and they're having a hard time getting along. And you have, and, and I think this, this still speaks as clearly today as it did 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. you have Christian brothers and sisters who are essentially attacking other Christian brothers and wow. sisters in the name of good faith. And there's a great tension in that of how could you do that to me? And, and they would look back and say, well, how can you do that to me? And, and there's a great discomfort and suffering in that. And I, and I think what Paul is, is is speaking to is a little bit in that lane of, hey, look, I know it's not comfortable. I know it's not good. The Lord is allowing you guys to to walk in this uh, trivial time, uh, the, or the not trivial, this this time of trial, so that it will do something in you, hmm. uh, and and through that, hopefully, this church sees because we don't necessarily get the end of this, um, but this church is going to be able to see that, hey you know what, maybe it's not this side and maybe it's not this side. Maybe it truly is the gospel. That would be my first take at it. What yeah. would you guys go? I, I'd agree with that because um, I, I was just looking up here that there's numerous words that Paul even uses for suffering. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this one specific uh, to this this passage is, is trouble and oppression, mm-hmm. which is, is what we're seeing happen between the Gentiles and Jews and Gentiles. Mm-hmm. That's right. There's, there's a little more of an oppression of people of a pushing aside, a pushing mm-hmm. down on a people. And so, um, so even in this, I can imagine as, um, as maybe the Gentiles read this, that they're saying, Hey, Paul's saying, Hey, I understand you're suffering. Yeah. You're experiencing this, but it's, it's through this that we're going to see some Doing other something. things yeah. take place. Um, and so, uh, so I, d- I do think it's important to look at mm-hmm. maybe what word Paul's using that's right. Um, and there's more specific ones to persecution specifically. Right. Um, this one has more of just trouble, just mm-hmm. the daily troubles. The grind. The, uh-huh. Can That's you imagine good. what the Jews felt to in, in this? Of, uh, and, and imagine yourself. Maybe you don't because you're like, I'm not a Jew. I don't know. Um, but you grew up with a system of faith. And to you, it's not a system of faith. It is the system of faith. Mm-hmm. You come to church on this day, on this church, you sit in this pew, you sing these three songs, you take up the offering, these the four deacons, like like you have a system that you know is tried and true for you yeah. and your family for generations. And then all of a sudden, it's all changed. Right. And the great turmoil that that, that causes, right? And, you know, we're, we're at Broadmoor and I think... Nobody's immune to it. Our our issues in that vein are just a little bit different. But if you go to any regular size church, we're not a regular size church. Any regular, and I'll say a hundred people or less. Mm-hmm. This is attention every single week. Don't believe me if you're from this and you're from this type of church and you're listening to it. Go sit in somebody else's seat mm-hmm. and just watch watch the squirming. Mm-hmm. 
And I think there's a tension in there. And you say, well, that's so trivial. Not for them. Yep. For them, that is deep-seated. You have messed up the Spirit's movement in this body. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I can't believe you're here. Like, yeah. that's what these Jews, in essence, are saying to the Gentiles. Yeah. You are wicked in what you are doing because you were messing up everything. Mm-hmm. And they were mm-hmm. like, what? What are you talking about? We have Christ. This is the tension they're facing. Mm. Yeah, I think sometimes the Jews and even the Pharisees in the way, and I don't know, Jesus gave them a bad rap, but that was their way of life. Like yeah. they were the best at it. it, it they found identity in it. Yeah, and, but it was the way everything was wrapped up in everything they thought. And, and then all of a sudden this guy comes along and tries to dismantle it all. Mm-hmm. I think those of us in this room would have fought pretty hard. Yeah. Like just our tendency <clears throat> is we, we're going to hang on mm-hmm. to what we believe in. And this is all we've been taught. And we're going to fight really hard for it. And if yeah. some guy steps on the street and starts trying to dismantle it, I, I'm going to be resistant to that. Um, and crucify him. Mark's a Pharisee. That's where it comes from. Right there. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Yes, and I think completely. Right. I think what Paul's doing here, man, he's just he's trying to help them understand this, but it's hard for them to hold on to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's hard for it to to sink in, which I think is understandable. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So so it goes on. I mean, it doesn't just. I mean, we've been talking about what what does what does it mean by suffering here? But 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 in other words. Yeah, but let's let's go a little further. Like, what is it? Because it actually says we rejoice in our suffering. So, what does it mean to rejoice in suffering? <laughs> so, again, words matter, and and if you have the ability to do word studies, these were great opportunities to say, what does that word mean? Uh, and I made a little joke about it that sometimes yesterday, uh, you you look around the room, and and you know, I'm I'm hoping with all that I am. That even though arms are crossed mm-hmm. and faces simply maybe are scowled a little bit and, you know, they're just kind of like, oh, one's, like I want to say, man, they are just worshiping Jesus in their heart. Their body just doesn't show it. They never played the game if you're happy and you know it, right? So mm-hmm. they, didn't, they didn't do very well at that game. Um, as, as my understanding of this rejoicing, like it's a legitimate physical expression of glory to God. Like, like it is, is an expression of our faith to say, God, thank you. Thank you for this. Uh, and I don't necessarily mean that that is like a standing up and it's a jubilant, oh, I'm so thankful you are making me suffer. You are the greatest God ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but an acknowledgement of of his goodness, even in the hardest of situations. Mm-hmm. That's where I would go. Mm-hmm. And that there's, a, that there's yeah. a purpose in it. Like we Certainly, can, we can rejoice in that it is not without purpose. Right. Boy, is that hard to remember. Mm-hmm. What you got? So I think... Um, as we, as we look at this, you once again you have Jews and Gentiles. Mm-hmm. What what they're boasting in, mm-hmm. or what they're finding their identity in, right, is this religion or this religious practice, and and they're wanting to they're wanting to boast. They're wanting mm-hmm. to go, yes, this is who we are. Like there's there's this there's a sense of. Uh, I want to celebrate that, and Paul is saying, "No, you, you ought to you ought to celebrate. You ought to boast in mm-hmm. your sufferings. Mm. Um, like it, it's a shift a from what, shift. like they want to boast in something that they can do, something that uh, is going to benefit them, that's going to show who they are, mm-hmm. and then he points to their suffering, the thing that supposedly is taking away who they are, right?" 
He's like, no, that's what mm-hmm. you need to boast in. Like you, you need yeah. to celebrate, you need to rejoice in your suffering mm-hmm. because your suffering, God is using it to do something in you mm. that you cannot do. Um, like we, we don't, we don't walk around going, hey, let me suffer so we can, you can tear down me. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right. I mean, that's really, suffering yeah. is a tearing down of self, right? That's right. Uh, a turmoil on the inside or a physical, like anytime we think about suffering, it's a tearing down of mm-hmm. who you are. And Paul is saying, you guys are spending so much time building that's up right. yourself. So so do you think, um, here's where I would go with it. Um, as as I look to the Apostle Paul, I'm so thankful for his writings, um, but I'm, I'm so thankful that it's it's very fatherly in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know he he boasts in some of uh, like Timothy being his spiritual son and um, like he speaks as he has lived a life that he's now sharing um, and and you know next uh, two weeks from now it's getting closer by the day um, I'll be forty and and that that's fun uh, and in my head I'm still young um, but in my mind I want to be viewed as like the old sage at some point <laughs> and and real realistically I'm neither. Um, I'm just kind of in between. Um, nobody, nobody views me as the old sage. Nobody views me as young. And I'm just like, man, this is where midlife crises are made. <laughs> no, um, this sweet spot, man. I view yeah. you well, as young, Josh. Thank you. You're yeah. so kind. I, you know, some people would say it's a sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. it, I, I could see why people have midlife crises at 40 because they're like, <laughs> where, who am I? Where am I doing? Um, but all that to say, when Paul is writing this, he's experienced all of this. All of this. Mm-hmm. It's, this isn't just simply theological for him. That's right. This isn't like, I learned this in seminary. I learned this from my rabbi growing up, and I just want to pass these words on to you. He's experiencing these things. And so for us, in the same way, and like this is the way that I'm, I'm trying to, to put it together in my mind, he's lived so much life that there have been probably things about him. He was he was a Jew of Jew. He, w- he mm-hmm. was the Pharisee of Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all of that came crumbling down on the, right. on the road to Damascus, right? So his whole lifestyle changed drastically on that day. And we would say that's for the good, right? Mm-hmm. So just taking that, and I'm going to just use it for an uh-huh. example. He was blinded. And I don't, I don't think that was like a spiritual blindness. I think he was blinded, like mm-hmm. scales on mm-hmm. his eyes. They had to come off. I've never been blind a day in my life. I'm thankful for that. But if I could try to imagine uh-huh. what he felt, because he didn't know how long it would last either. He didn't right. say, well, in three days, these scales are going to fall off. He just knew that something awful has just happened to him. A man who, in his own mind, was right, who was in control, he was convictional, he was going about his life, and then all of a sudden, something so near and dear to him was gone. You can't read the law anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't open the scrolls and make sense of it anymore. All you have is what's memorized. All you have is what people are going to tell you. It's all gone. But it was in that moment of, of trial that God and his grace completely changes his life and sets him off on a new adventure. And so no doubt, as he is further away from that moment, he can look back on that day and say, those three days were hard, but praise God for those three days. Right. For they changed yeah. me forever. Um, and, and, you know, we don't have, I don't think, um, many of us have scale moments in our life where, mm-hmm. where something happened. But we all have moments like this where something we weren't expecting has happened to us. Mm-hmm. And it was through that interruption. It was through that unexpected trial mm. that God, in, in, in great sovereignty, he was never caught off guard, but shifted our life to a different path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's going to bring him glory and good sure. to everybody else. And if we didn't have that moment, then that doesn't happen. Right. And so now we look back and say, you know what? Thank God for that moment. For that moment. Mm. 
That's right. What what Spurgeon say? What was his quote? Oh man, I'm going to butcher it, but here it goes. We 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 kiss the face of God. We we kiss the waves that throw us against the rocks of life that cause us to rely on the grace of God. I butchered it completely, but the idea is this: that we thank God for sending hard times in our life, mm-hmm. for they cause us to rely on Him. Mm. I need to have a better quote than that. Right. I'm coming. That's right. <laughs> I'm coming. Do it. Mark's looking for it. We kiss the waves. Go, Mark. Go, Mark. Do go. It. I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Ooh. Yes. Ah. That was so close. That was really good. Yeah. And, and much fewer words than Josh used. Mark is so good. Get out of here. <laughs> Learn um, to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock. But, it, but I do That's think really good. as you move toward the end of your sermon yesterday, that is what Paul is driving at, right? It, right. Is, it is that he's longing for this group of people to see Christ mm-hmm. above all things. Yeah. Um, and, and so, like, even as we continue to talk about words, rejoice, suffering, mm-hmm. when we get to character, like, we, we oftentimes even think about us mm-hmm. in that picture. Um, but really really what suffering produces as we walk through it is an understanding of what Christ himself has brought about in us. Not, not what we bring That's to the right. table. Mm-hmm. Like, like in our culture, we think about character. He needs I want to see a man that's a person of character. Like we, we think about all the qualities that we tend to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what Paul is trying to point him to is that it's through the suffering that we actually get to see the character of Christ That's in, right. in you. Mm. That it's something that only he can do. So once again, it's mm. it's the suffering. It's those waves that throw us against the one who is good and true and just and perfect, right? Yeah. And yeah. um and to see him above all things as being good and worthy of worship and glory. Yeah. That's that's the end goal of I think right. what Paul's driving at in this passage. Mm. Yeah, which is hope, right? And, yeah. and, and that's and where it if, goes. If you take out the middle. You're going from suffering to hope. That's right. There's just a progression. That's yeah. right. Those are stops along the way. Uh-huh. And yeah. so I, I, for those who are listening, I think it's a good exercise, just a thought process to go through and, and think through each step of that, you know, from from endurance to character and how that leads to hope. Mm-hmm. And if we'd have had more time, I'd love to have spent some time just talking about the progression and, yeah. of that. But the end goal is yeah. – the hope is that we have in him mm-hmm. because of what we, and that's, that's why we rejoice mm-hmm. when I mean, that was, was the original question. What does rejoicing look like? Well, there's this mm-hmm. deep sense of joy found in hope. That's right. And that's, um, without hope yeah. it's, it's, there, there's, right. there's no joy there. Yeah. Our, our, our life group yesterday had a great, like it was a piece together illustration mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and illustrations always miss something, but, sure. but at, at the same time I was like, Oh, that's, that's actually not bad. And, as they talk through this progression, um, there was a sense of when I suffer, those tend to be the moments that I even think about God. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's not when things are going well. It's no. when I suffer that I, For sure. and I've come to my wits end, I think about him. And then somebody brought about the whole idea of remembrance and how God made that an important part in the mm-hmm. Old Testament. And so it eventually got to a point of like, it's, it's like a CrossFit guy, right? Like mm. he's going to keep, pushing on and it's through the exercise of that remembrance right that it makes hope more solid mm. and sure and and so through that through that process 
God is bringing about his character in us that produces this hope and this dependence on him. And, and, and when we think about CrossFit or any kind of exercise, mm-hmm. y- you don't get to become strong just because you think a certain way, but because you rip and tear your muscles. Yeah. And, and it's through the repetition of that that time now there's, there's, there's a, a building and that's an endurance. Right. And yeah. so it's doing something. So it's doing mm. something. Yeah, that's right. It's a good picture. Mm. It is good. Ripped. Rip and tear. <laughs> You've called yeah, me yeah. slim. So. I want to be ripped. I like, I like today. It's been a good day. So, uh, yeah, great discussion, guys. Um, and uh, it's, it's a good, good reminder because we had, we had some discussion around this in our life group as well, you know, that, and I think one of you, you made reference to this earlier before we recorded, um, that we, we tend to, we tend to make, uh, you know, Christianity about us and about our comfort, about mm-hmm. our escape from hell or, or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and forget that it's, it's really about our enjoyment of, of the King mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and his glory. Yeah. And, uh, and so these are good perspective shifters for us. No doubt. Um, so looking forward to, uh, as always, uh, the continuation of the book of Romans. And, uh, so, yes, we have a, a, a ringer coming in this week a to preach. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I should be on campus this week, Lord willing, but we have a very special guest bringing the word this week and none other than Harvey, Harvey Ellis. Ellis. Harvey Ellis. Yeah. He is bringing the last part of Romans chapter five. Yeah. So looking forward to this weekend and hearing, uh, hearing him. And, uh, so good. guys, until then, thanks for the discussion. Great time. Great. Jordan. Love you guys. Yeah. I love you guys. See you guys. See you. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at mybroadmoor. Thanks for listening.